Hey everyone, this is Mike Skinner. I want to welcome you to the sermon podcast for Sweetwater Christian Church. We are glad that you are interested in joining us as we follow Christ. If you'd ever like to support our ministry financially or just learn more about us, head on over to sweetwaterchristian.org. Thanks and God bless. I am so very grateful that Mike has given me this opportunity. Mike is the one to blame. <laughs> Let's make that clear from the get-go, okay? We'll just put that out there. I am pleased to be able to look out and see familiar faces, most of them friendly faces this morning. Uh, having been here now for a while, but there are some that I have not met. I hope that I will have opportunity to visit with you before we all get away from here today. For those of you who are not so familiar with me, I uh, recently moved here to this area from Missouri. Some of you may have heard, how many have heard of Missouri? <laughs> okay, all right, okay, that's all right, that's good. It's some of you didn't hold up your hands. We'll talk about that one later too. You might recall, those of you who were here last Sunday, that Mike did a message uh, about, uh, if, if mostly about other things, but mostly focused on what we sometimes call Doubting Thomas. I had opportunity to talk with Mike this week, and I, I said to him, Mike, you do know that the Apostle Thomas, like me, is from Missouri. And Mike gave me this funniest look, a look I'd never seen him give before, and he said, I don't know what you're talking about now, Garrett. What are you drinking? I mean, what is this? I said, well, no, it's pretty obvious. I said, we're both from the show me state. <laughs> that was kind of the reaction I got from Mike, too. I, <laughs> I actually thought that was a pretty good one. I, you see, Missouri is called sometimes the show me state. Okay, all right, we'll move on. <laughs> my, my grandkids love to tell me, Grandpa, you're not funny. You're, you're not funny at all. Um, and they also love to remind me just how old I am. I was telling those at the earlier service that uh, uh, we have a grandson, 12 years old, and and he and his sister are actually the reason we moved down here to Texas. And sometimes when I'm with him, I wonder why I, I made the move. But one day, he, <laughs> if you have grandchildren, you may understand. But, and one day you maybe will. You, you'll have your moment. But I, one day he said to me, Grandpa, I know now why you understand so much about the Bible. You were there with Moses when he started writing it. Ah, with grandchildren like that. I anyway, I'm glad that I can be here and offer this message. I do have uh, a number of years in pastoral ministry. Uh, I have been pastor of several churches and then finished my uh, active ministry as a chaplain of the uh, uh, director of a spiritual care department at a hospital in Kansas City. And so I've had numerous opportunities to, to preach over the years, and I want to reassure you, if any of you start nodding in the service, you're not going to bother me in the least. I have seen it before. So just to put us all on the same page. 
How many of you have, by chance, seen the stage or the screen version of the classic comedy that's entitled Harvey? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, not so many. All right. Um, well, for those of you who did not hold up your hands, let me just give you a little background very quickly. In this delightful story, the title character, Harvey, is a mischievous puka who is disguised as a giant white rabbit. Now, Harvey is the nearly constant companion of a gentle, genial man by the rather unassuming name of Elwood P. Dowd. Elwood P. Dowd. We see, the audience, sees Mr. Dowd from the moment the movie or the stage play opens. But surprisingly, we never see Harvey at any time. Okay, spoiler alert, Harvey is invisible. He is every bit as invisible as any six foot three and a half inch rabbit could ever be. Now don't get me wrong, Harvey is very real to Elwood P. Dowd and to the whole audience sooner or later as the program proceeds. Elwood knows Harvey is there, we know he's there, and yet few others will acknowledge the reality of Harvey's presence, let alone the reality of his very existence, simply because they refuse to accept or believe in someone they can neither see nor touch. Now, my friends, we worship an avowedly invisible God, unseen, ineffable. There are others all around us who will not acknowledge the reality of our God only because they refuse to accept or believe in a personality they can neither see nor touch. We live in a world that is increasingly oriented to scientific empirical observation and physical evidence for the determination of substance or facts. So much of the world, not surprisingly I guess, is unwilling to enter into what they perceive as a culture-bound corporate delusion of reality. By definition, they tell us, real implies tangible, visible, how can anything or anyone then be deemed real which cannot be seen, heard, or felt in any physical way? What is unseen, therefore, must be unreal. Now, of course, this objection is not just one of our scientific age. It's not new at all. It goes back hundreds of years. And I suspect that many of us here this morning have wondered at times how we could justify believing in a God we neither see nor touch. Oh, we do believe, of course. And yet we could be so much more confident in our believing if we could just somehow excuse or explain the unseenness of God in such a way that God's reality is still affirmed. Check in. Are you all on the same page with me to this place? Okay. Thank you. I'll have the thumbs up. Give that to me often, please. That, that's a great encouragement. It's kind of like saying sick him to a dog. Okay. 
So how are we going to explain the apparent invisibility of our God? Traditionally, Christians have pushed aside all objections to the reality of an unseen God, such as ours, by pointing to the historic and objective reality of the very human, very visible Jesus. We have scriptural support for this idea, and if you would like to take a Bible, if you brought one, or there may be one somewhere in the chair racks there in front of you, and if you'd like to follow along with me, I'm going to be reading a brief passage from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, beginning with the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and this life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He, John, was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In fact, he was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Skipping down to the 18th verse, no one has ever seen God. The only God, in this place meaning the Christ, who is at the Father's side, he has made God known. So you want to see God, you say? Okay, look to Jesus. For as Jesus himself has said, Anyone who has seen me has seen God, has seen the Father. And the Apostle Paul echoed this very idea in one of his early letters to Christians in Greece, where he wrote, Jesus is the very image of the invisible God. The very image of the invisible God. Now, that's all well and good. But through the ages, the historic manifestation of God in a human son, Jesus, has given rise to as many questions or doubts about the essence of God as it ever answered. If anything, the incarnation or the revelation of God in Jesus merely reaffirms the unseenness of God in the end. If God was made finally, undeniably visible and real in the person of Jesus, for instance, 
then why was that not more widely recognized in Jesus' own day? Have you ever wondered about that? It was one of Jesus' closest friends and followers who came up to him, came up to Jesus on the night before his death of all times. And he asked Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. Show us God, and we will be satisfied. These two men had lived and worked and prayed side by side for upwards of three years, but the disciple Philip had still not discerned that God could be seen in Jesus himself. Even Jesus' own family, his earliest brothers and sisters, apparently had trouble recognizing God in him as well, until well after his resurrection anyway. And you wonder at that. You wonder, couldn't they see that halo over his head all the time? Couldn't that be something of a giveaway? Going back to Pastor Mike's message from last week, perhaps this is why Jesus said to doubting Thomas, Happy are those who have never seen and yet have believed. Let's just be honest about our faith. We believe to be real and substantial and ultimately significant a God whom we can neither see nor touch. We worship and entrust our eternal destinies to a God who is invisible. And while we're being honest about it, let's also admit there are a lot of people in the world who think we're more than a little crazy because we do. They see no difference between an invisible rabbit and an invisible God. Because both of those are intangible and unseen, both of them are unreal. So what are we going to say then to our detractors? How will we convince those who don't believe as we do that it is perfectly reasonable to accept a God we cannot see? How do we reassure ourselves for that matter to invest our faith in someone who is utterly unseen? And I want to offer for our consideration very quickly just a few possibilities, and I hope these will spur additional thoughts and ideas for you. God is unseen, we might say, first of all, because she or he is simply not visible to the limited capacities of the human eye. God is real, as real as you or I, as real as the earth beneath our feet or the clouds overhead, but we cannot see God because our eyes are not attuned to see God. I think at least from a scientific standpoint, we have to consider this a very distinct possibility. We know, for instance, that our physical senses are limited and that no one of us ever begins to perceive more than a fraction of all the natural stimuli to which we're exposed every day. I was uh, just thinking yesterday about light and there was mention of light in the scripture text we just read from John that Jesus is the true light coming into the world. God in scripture is described as light over and over again 
And I was thinking back to the fact that light, um, when you study light in physics, we, you'll know it to be a, a rather broad spectrum of things. And that along that broad spectrum, there is only a very small part that we call visible light. And that's what we see. There are many forms of light. Everything from gamma rays on one end to radio waves on the other end that actually are light, but we do not perceive them. Could it be that God is a form of light that our eyes are just not capable of seeing? I don't know. Our senses are not perfect. They can be fooled. Our eyes can be tricked into believing that something is obvious when in fact it is not, like a desert mirage or a simple optical illusion. In a similar way, our eyes can sense that something or someone is not immediately present right in front of us when in actuality it is. Movie makers often use color matte backgrounds to create an illusion of invisibility. They know that when certain lines or colors are placed in close proximity with one another, the human eye cannot discern distinct shapes or even physical movement. So is it not possible then that God coexists with us in our world in some form or color or texture that our limited visual capacities simply fail to notice? God is there beside you right now. As surely as the actor playing the part of Harvey is really on the stage in front of you the whole time. But your eyes are simply incapable of recognizing that fact. Here's another possibility for your consideration. Perhaps God is unseen to us because she is hidden. I'm sure you're aware that there is much in our environment we never see only because it is so very small. A couple of examples. So tiny that even the most powerful microscopes could not make one of them visible to the human eye. The carbon atom is still one of the most pervasive elements in the world around us. Your body has untold billions of carbon atoms within it. Can you see them? If you tell me you do, I want to talk to you after the service. But even though you can't see them, do you doubt that they are there? Within your body, there are literally trillions of individual cells. And in each of those microscopic cells, there is an unseen molecule of DNA. Every molecule of DNA is composed of two even smaller, infinitely complex coiled strands. They are so very small, but they are by no means 
insignificant. You cannot see them, and yet they largely control the whole manner and course of your life. No doubt you're all familiar with the common chemical compound sodium chloride, otherwise known as table salt. You ingest some of it at every meal, and, and you should. Salt is a vital necessity for your overall health and well-being. Now, if you have a particularly sensitive palate, you may actually be able to taste the salt in what you eat. But I, my hunch is you're much more likely to notice the relative lack of salt in your food, aren't you? You can't see it, maybe, in what you're eating. But you take it for granted until it's not there. Am I right? Now, see, the nice thing is when you're nodding now, I can't tell whether you're this or you're agreeing with me, but I'm going to accept that you're agreeing with me. Could it be that God is very real and quite ingrained in our world, but we cannot see him with the naked eye because God is simply not in a form or a place where we would expect to see him? Maybe God is hidden, hidden like oxygen is disguised in the air around us, hiding, as it were, in the church, giving a certain power and savor to our fellowship, like salt. Maybe God is hiding in the person of an otherwise unremarkable man, a humble carpenter from a little regarded corner of the world. Could it be that God is hidden in the form of a hungry child or a fearful refugee from unremitting violence in another part of the world? A person, a child to whom the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, the extension of our loving care is the very same as if we were giving it to God himself, to Jesus himself. There are many other possible illusions I might draw out here. The Bible offers us alone many more that we could consider. But because of time, I want to just offer one more if I may. That our God is unseen because she is transparent. Transparent. I don't know about you. I mentioned to you I have grandchildren. I have three children that I raised. They're fortunate to be alive today. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I can say that because if they were here, they'd say, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but... Uh, because we've had the good fortune to have three children coming up from little to big in our family, we've had a lot of animals in our household over the years. We've had everything from dogs and cats to hamsters, rabbits. Don't even get me started on the rabbit. We've had uh, fish and frogs. My personal favorite have been the birds. I had a parakeet a number of years ago, I called him Blue Boy. Well, he had blue feathers. I mean, what else would you call him, right? Blue Boy 
was quite friendly and extremely intelligent. Okay, not too intelligent. I thought he was pretty smart until the day I watched him fly headlong into my study window. I remember thinking at the time that was one of the stupidest things I had ever seen, lower species and all of that. And then one day soon after, I was walking to the back deck with a cool drink in hand. And would you believe I walked smack into the glass patio door? Chris, you, you saw that one coming, didn't you? you? You knew where I was headed with that. Well, there's a funny thing about glass. You often don't notice it. You don't notice how it stands between you and what you can see clearly on the opposite side. You don't see the glass itself unless dirt or glare gives it away. It's there. It's real. But it's not really seen so much as it is seen through. The same thing is true of air. We're completely surrounded by air. Not a one of us would doubt its existence or its reality, even though we can't possibly see it, only because it's transparent. In one of his many fascinating books, a Brazilian poet by the name of Ruben Alves offers what I think is a rather thought-provoking reflection. He reminds us, that so long as our eye is seeing itself, it's not doing what the eye was created to do. That in order for the eye to see the world, it has to not be seeing itself. In order to see the world, the human eye cannot see itself. We don't see our eyes nearly so much as we see through them. The eye is transparent. And in the same way, Mr. Alves suggests that, that God becomes transparent in order that we may begin to see the world through him. So perhaps God is very real. In the same way that glass or air or the lens of an eye is real, but that like them, God is transparent. And while we invest our lives in God, we experience her reality in the unique way that we come to perceive our world and the people around us in the world through God's eyes, so to speak. Thus, God is altogether real, but God intends not so much that he should be seen as he is seen through. In one of our modern fairy tales, wise old fox tells a little prince, the essential is invisible to the eye. The essential is invisible to the eye. The fox was right, of course. It's not at all inconceivable that a very real God might be invisible. Let the world poke fun at its Elwood P. Downs. 
and we may occasionally laugh with them. Let the world poke fun at those of us who see an unseen God. They will. But we will not laugh with them in this because we know it is entirely possible for our God to be real and deserving of our faith, our sacrifices, our service, though she remains forever invisible to our limited human sight. Happy are those who have never seen, Jesus said, who have never seen and yet have believed. May it ever and always be so with you and I.